0: Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
1: This is the GM Shuffle. We're light years ahead of our, where we were last year's season. That's where we are. They should wear Buzz Lightyear costumes. You don't have to say anything. I can't wait for John Lynch to announce Trey Lance's light years ahead of where he was last year. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and V-CIN. is Femi Epifa.
0: Welcome to another another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi presented by DraftKings and Beeson. I'm Femi Bebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. Michael, we are now into the month of May to where everyone's optimistic. We're going forward, man. We're all taking mother may I step forwards forwards heading into the season. Oh, yeah.
1: I I love the NFL. I mean, I love the NFL. You know, we have our own leaf. (laughs) Well, I mean, we have our own turning of the leaves. We have our own summer. We winter, fall, spring. I mean, it's just really, it's so many seasons. But we've, you know, after the, the, you know, but from the combine to the draft, we, we'll we call that lying season. And then the day after the draft, we'll call that proclamation season, two days. We got our guy. I can't believe it. We never thought he would be there. And now we're into the, we're light years ahead of where we were last year's season. That's where we are. Jordan Love is light years ahead of where he was. Justin Fields is light. I mean, who is, they should wear Buzz Lightyear costumes. I mean, like everybody's light years ahead. We're in the light years period. You know, Anthony Richardson's a true pro. He's studying football. Like, come on. Like, one of the things I think you learn as leadership is manage expectations. Like, say nothing. Like, you don't have to say anything. I'm going to write this for the Daily Coach. There's a, you know, Pat Riley won't do any interviews. He's like laying in the background. He doesn't want to be, he doesn't want any comments to be out there. I think part of the responsibility of running an organization is does not say anything. Not put people out there, you know, and, and say as little as you possibly can. But this proclamation, oh, light years ahead. You know, I, I can't wait for John Lynch to announce, 1-800-JOHN-LYNCH, to announce that Trey Lance is light years ahead of where he was last year. You know, I mean, I can't wait for that. That's coming. Just mark your count. We should have a date for that. Like, we should have a period to do that. Because everybody's light years ahead. It's amazing. Have you ever heard anybody who's light years behind?
0: No, we hear that in all the leaked stories that come out after the fact. <laughs> we don't hear that going into an actual season. There, I'll, I'll mark it down for the Niners whenever their minicamp is, whenever all the veterans get there yeah, for the minicamp. It's camp. coming. That, light that's years that's ahead. what we're gonna hear. Yeah, that, that's what we're gonna hear. Trey's, Trey's doing much better. He's, he's he's made his way through the rehab and all that stuff. We're gonna hear but that. But they one. get away Just with it. Nobody
1: going. says. Nobody says. But coach, I thought you said this guy was light years ahead. What happened? You know? I mean, like nobody says that.
0: Okay, like because they don't want he, their access cut off. <laughs> uh
1: exactly. I mean, just like just just say what you think. I mean, you know. I mean, it, it's not that hard to see it. Like it wasn't that hard. I hate to take a detour, but I have to. Uh-huh. It wasn't that hard to see your MVP in the fourth quarter and overtime, completely exhausted last night. Did you? I mean, it wasn't oh. hard to see that. You know. I mean, it wasn't hard to see that he the MVP award was bigger to him than winning well, it wasn't hard to see that but nobody's saying it but no it's not hard it wasn't hard to see it i mean he disappeared in the fourth quarter in overtime they were able to sneak out a win that i thought that they were definitely going to lose but at some point when you see it you should say it even you saw it yesterday and you're the greatest defense attorney since oscar goodman
0: <laughs> no he he didn't want that smoke as the kids would say you know you saw pj tucker kind of giving him that pep talk uh passionately on the court there late in the game because it looked like Embiid had kind of just lost it. But luckily for him, uh, Harden and, and the rest of the crew kind of bailed him out. And now you guys are two, two you got to live through another couple more of these games with the Sixers before this thing ultimately ends. Because I think Boston's going to win that series. But back on the NFL side of this thing, why do you think that we get this? Like, like cause like nobody's asking for this. People just ask like, okay, like how's so-and-so doing? But, like why the need for these grand proclamations to set the expectations so high for these guys?
1: You know, I, I don't know the answer to that. I, I don't know. I think to me, I think a lot of times people that go in front of the media don't have a plan. I mean, it, it's kind of commonplace that they, okay, I got my media thing, but nobody spends 20 minutes before they get in front of the media planning on what they need to say. Like planning on the messaging for that because nobody takes the media sessions as a way to distribute information to your team that's outside the normal realm of talking to the team you know and so we know this from experience from my experiences most every rookie that enters the training camp enters this period and all the rookies will probably start coming in on thursday all of them have to be de-recruited because they've just spent three months getting their asses kissed they've been on airplanes flying here flying there i mean they're they are they they you gotta you have to have a program for de-recruiting them then you have to have a program for teaching them how to be a pro, because they don't really know that. They have never really had to do that. They've been relying on their skills for so long. So, like, to me, that should be the messaging. Look, we got a long way to go. These rookies are young. They're eager. But, man, they, have, you know, they haven't worked as hard as they need to work. We're going to have to ratchet it up. You know, but the, sell, the, the, the we're ahead of schedule, to me, is like all you're trying to do is give information. You're, you're basically putting out hope as opposed mm-hmm. to putting out a message.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe you're speaking to the fan base instead of speaking to your team there. And I know you mentioned the light here. That was the quote from Luke Getze, the Chicago Bears, the offensive coordinator, when talking about Justin Fields. He said this to the Chicago Tribune, quote, where he was at this time last year to where he is now. I think he's just light years ahead of where he was. And I feel like he has a ton more to grow going forward. So we're excited to try to get the best out of him moving forward and keep working toward where we think he can go. Uh, where he's going to go is maybe MVP. You know, that's the discussion oh, now that's yeah, out there I mean, you're for your him. Point. I
1: mean, I know you got a ticket. I know you got a ticket. <laughs> I, I, think <laughs> me, the I think to me, I think that, to me that's best left unsaid. Like, look, you know, all you got to do is say, Justin's worked really hard this offseason. Can't wait to get him into skate. Because really, I, I, I might have missed this, but did, when, when, when did the Bears, were the Bears in the XFL this year? I, I missed the games that he played in, in the offseason. I missed those. Like I must, you know, Has, they must have, were they in the I XFL? Played. I mean, did they play in the USFL? I don't know. I mean, like, they, there hasn't been a game played since the end of the year. How do you measure light years ahead? We haven't had, there hasn't, but the rules say there's no team activities. So there's been no team activities. There's been no seven on seven. There's been no 11 on 11. Like, how do you measure light years? He should know the playbook better this year than he would. I mean, Dominic knows subtraction now. He's, you know, he's doing that stuff. So, like, every day you get better. Like the more you do it, you get better. Like that, I, I'm I'm going to say this right now. Dominic and Leo are light years ahead of where they were this time last year. There's no doubt. There
0: you go. <laughs> Wait till they start doing multiplication, man. That's that's in the room. yeah. They're good light years off. ahead. I mean, they're light
1: years ahead. I've never seen it. Do, I've never seen Dominic and Leo be so good at it. They're light years ahead. They're unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, they're working hard. They're getting. Come on, man. Like we didn't play any games yet. But then, it matters. That's what matters sh- most. Sh-
0: Shout out to my client, though, Justin Fields, who off the field, he went ahead and graduated at Ohio State this past weekend. So uh, he him. went back and that's got awesome. his, uh, his degree in Consumer and Family Financial Services. So uh, shout I out to you, that. Justin Fields. Go ahead and finish in I school. I think that's, that's
1: great. Awesome. I applaud him for that. I think that's tremendous. I think to me that's that says a lot about the character of the human being. I love that.
0: Yeah. So working hard on and off the field as he is light years ahead and heading into the 2023 season. Uh, well, light years. Here know. we go. <laughs> A quarterback that we do know that's really good, who has actually won an MVP, won Lamar Jackson, of course, last week signing his five-year, $260 million contract with the Baltimore Ravens. Well, he then had the press conference with Eric DeCosta, the general manager, John Harbaugh, the head coach. Harbaugh looked relieved that they got this thing done, man. He's like, whew, I don't have to worry about this quarterback situation anymore, man, because some of those pressers a few weeks ago looked a little tense from from Harbs out there worrying about this quarterback situation, but I, I thought Lamar... It was really interesting what he had to say when he was asked about whether he had entertained other teams. Because he confirmed that other teams reached out to him. Here's what he had to say at that press conference a week ago. I really didn't care for other teams, really. I just really wanted to get something done here. (laughs) I wanted to be here. It was like, man, okay, other teams, cool, but I want to be a Raven. Like I said, I said some 2018, you know, I think it was April 26th, if I'm not mistaken. And I meant that. You know, I'm standing on that until I get it done. So I really wanted to get this done before anything, before I even want to, before my time up and branch off somewhere else. You know, I really want to finish my career here and win the Super Bowl here. So that's what I meant. So so, so the, why did he ask for the trade?
1: <laughs> why did he delete his social media? I mean, like, why did he do all those things? Was it strategy? Is this how we do things now? I mean how many stories did we write about? We talked about it. Where would he be a good fit? Why is How about the collusion? How about everybody said that the people were conclu- colluding that that they weren't calling Lamar, that the league had sent mem- you know the league's in collusion mode because nobody's contacting Lamar when you know now that we find out Lamar didn't want anybody to contact him. I mean, who knows? Look, I think at the end of the day Baltimore realized that they're a much better team with Lamar than they are searching for a quarterback. And they would go into the oblivion, you know, and they would be out there where they wouldn't have any idea about their team. They certainly, even though Tyler Huntley was the MVP of the league, I mean, they don't know really, uh, you know, where they are and where they're going to go. So I think to me, you know, uh, I think as the great Albert Barisi once said in Sopranos, I'm in no position to, to going into the unknown not knowing. I think that fits the Ravens. I think that's exactly. It. I, I don't think Albert was saying it for the Ravens, but I think that's what it was. And they came to their senses. And look, I think all the conversation about it being two hundred and sixty million over five years—that's great. But I really think this is a three-year contract that is three thousand dollars more than what Jalen Hurts got. The spread of the money is favorable towards Lamar. He gets twenty thousand. He gets he gets twenty thousand dollars more. In year uh, I mean twenty million more in year one than he got mm-hmm. in year uh, than than Hertz got he got seven million more than russell wilson eight eight and a half million more than Kyler Murray he got a a a lot more than Watson, but remember now, Watson is guaranteed all the way through so watson 's spread isn 't as important because it 's all guaranteed, so it doesn 't matter, mm-hmm. so I think that 's what he did and when you get to year three, I mean wilson 's at one hundred and fifty million. Jackson's at 156, Hertz is at 153, you know, and, and so I think that's what it is. I think it's a three-year deal averaging over at, at $52 million per year because when you look at the cap numbers in years four and five, they're at $72 million. So clearly the Ravens have to extend it or do something with it if they're going to continue. They can't have a $72 million cap charge.
0: And that's a smart deal for Lamar Jackson because he's only 26 years old. Like he's played in the league for so long, about five, five years now, but he's only 26, three years from now, he's 29, still in the prime of his career can get another bite at the apple to go ahead and re up with the Ravens. Or if he wants to go somewhere else, I mean, he does have that no trade clause now in his contract and a no tag clause as well. So Lamar set up pretty well uh, going forward here with this contract, as long as he stays healthy, I think he can be a pretty good player for uh, the Ravens and also make a lot of money, which is ultimately what he wanted to, getting a fully guaranteed contract not quite all the way buttoned up but a pretty good deal nonetheless for Lamar Jackson another guy Michael who got paid is Dexter Lawrence I want to talk about Dexter Lawrence and the New York Giants on the other side here big blue fans are curious to hear your thoughts on their big defensive tackle cashing out at the bank this is the GM Shuffle We're going to take a quick break 168 hours after issuance DKNG.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources
1: you're listening to the GM shuffle with Michael Lombardi presented by DraftKings and VCN. here is Femi Abebefei
0: all right about a month ago Michael we had the discussion about the New York mm-hmm. Giants and the disease of me and it, it Upset a lot of Giants fans and more than Giants fans, even Giants analysts were, were talking about it and saying that hey, we're kind of misguided with the Giants and the contract structures that they have to get going going forward. Daniel Jones got his big deal earlier this offseason, right at the deadline before the franchise tag. Saquon Barkley's on the tag. We know mm-hmm. that Dexter Lawrence was due up to get paid as well, and he got paid four years, 90 million, 60 million dollars guaranteed. And that falls right in line with the defensive tackle market that we've seen so far this offseason with those big boys getting all the big money there but where do you think big blue now goes from here especially as it pertains to saquon barkley who's still uh not signing said franchise tag and wants that long-term extension
1: yeah well i mean first of all i think people really misunderstood what i said about the giants i i said to me i did never said that they had the disease of me i said there's potential for the disease of me and it's the Mm -hmm. potential that happens for any team that goes from good to great so I mean, if you play it back, I, I, I mean, it's hilarious to read some of the tweets and, and things I get from people on Twitter that clearly didn't understand what I was saying. And I never said their locker room was bad. I said they have the potential. When you pay certain players and don't pay others, I think the Lawrence contract is good for the Giants because he's a much better player than Leonard Williams, a much better mm-hmm. player. You know? And they got to pay Leonard Williams $18 million of, ca- uh, of a cap charge this year. And, you know, and, and they, Lawrence knows he's a better player, so they paid him, which I think they had to pay him. So, look, it, it, what happens when you win, everybody wants to get paid. That's the disease of me. And Lawrence is one of those guys who deserve to get paid because he is one of their better players. So, now, what do they do with Saquon? I mean, I, I think it's pretty obvious what they do with Saquon. Either play on the tag or don't play. Like, why would you pay Dalvin Cook's out. Dalvin Cook's going to be out there. We saw the Eagles just trade for Swift for a fourth-round pick. I mean, running, the running back, Tony Pollard, ran to the window to sign his tag. Like, why are we paying – why would we want to extend Barkley out when, in fact, the market doesn't lend itself – like, this market that you're paying him on the tag is way more than what you probably want to pay him. So why would you do that? I mean, there, he, there, he's a $10 million cap charge. I think the Giants, going into the weekend, after they did the Lawrence contract, I think they have like a million. So they got a a million five. I'm sure they still have money. They're going to have to get a bunch of money to sign their draft picks to make sure they got IR players, all that stuff. So they got more things to cut. It's like the Jets. I mean, they're holding on to Corey Davis at $10 when everybody in the league knows they got to cut him because they're going to need to build cap room to get through the season.
0: No, I I think the interesting thing here for the New York Giants – and I'm curious just about what the locker room dynamic would be is that when you see a guy like Dexter Lawrence get paid, Daniel Jones gets paid, Saquon Barkley is also a vocal locker room leader in that locker room there. He has the captain's C on his chest and everything like that. If this ends up dragging into a training camp deal where it is a holdout, how can that kind of affect said locker room? And I'm not trying to stir up any things into the Giants are going to have locker room issues. But I do think the dynamic of saying the players looking at and thing, damn, if he can't get paid, what's going on here? You know, because that's our guy that we go to war with every single Sunday here. And he's obviously one of their best offensive players.
1: Well, he is definitely one of their best offensive players, but the reality of it is, is the market of of running backs doesn't lend itself to this, right? I mean, we mm-hmm. see this all the time. I mean, Minnesota, you know, they're sitting there; they're, they got they're very tight on the cap, and you know, Dalvin Cooks due to make ten point four million dollars this year, and so you know they have very little acceleration left. They're try they trying to move them. They tried to move them since the off season because. They, when they re-signed Madison, they basically said, okay, look, Madison's not as good as Cook, but we get the offset for money, and we need that. And so I think to me, it's like you're sitting there. I'm all for running backs getting paid because I think they're weapons. There's no denying that. And I think Saquon is a huge weapon in what they do. But I I don't know how you, you can't pay everybody. That's the problem. You can't pay everybody. Would I rather have... Would I rather have Saquon than a Dory Jackson? I mean, a Dory Jackson's got uh, eleven million in paragraph five. He's got I think he's got a couple more years left. Is he better? You know, I'd rather have him. You know, they've got guys on their cap that would I rather is, is, is he better than Leonard Williams? Yeah. But how do you pay everybody? I think that's the fundamental question. And if you don't pay Barkley, it's because you just don't want to pay a running back. I mean, I think Barkley's a really good player. But I, I would have let Barkley kind of hit the market. Like I said that. I would have franchised Barkley and let Jones hit the market. I've said that. Because I think with the running backs, I mean, look at the Eagles. They got Rashard Penny. They got Swift. They got Boston Scott. I mean, they put no money into it.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, in fairness, I mean, the Eagles also got those guys for the cheap because they have their own concerns with Penny and, and Swift. Inability to stay healthy and all that stuff. Well, you but the don't point think is, well,
1: Barkley's well What about Barkley's ability to stay healthy? You not worried about that, defense attorney?
0: Oh, oh no, you're 100 worried about it. I think you're 100 worried. Yeah, of worried course about you are. It. I mean, he's like seriously, like, huh? I said, he's a, he's at a different level, though. I would think that just from a talent standpoint. Well, I don't think he's any
1: doubt, any doubt he's really talented. I mean, last year he's you know he played all the games. I think he was hurt for one game. But that, I mean, other than other than his rookie season, I mean, that was the first time he's played 16 games. Look, and I think to me, you know, I think one of the things that you got to be able to do is you got to be, they got to be able to find a way to get him where he is. I mean, he had 76 targets last year, 57 catches. He averaged six yards a catch like that. You gotta get that up to nine. Eckler is at nine five six. Kamara's at nine fives. They're in the nines. That that's what you have to do. You have to be able to get the back to do more than six yards per reception. That's the most critical thing. That's when you pay him. I mean I mean, when you look at Dalvin Cook, that one of the things Dalvin Cook can do is he can make plays in the passing game. I mean, that's what you want to do. And I think to me, that's ultimately where Backs have to get paid. They have to get paid when they're making plays. I mean, T- Cook had 56 targets. He had 39 catches. He averaged 7.9 yards, 7.6 yards a catch. He had two touchdowns. He got 16 first downs. 16 first downs on catches. You know? Mm-hmm. Barkley got 10. Barkley averaged five nines. Barkley did not have a touchdown in catching. I mean, that's what you... Now, I'm not saying that's Barkley's fault, but that's part of... If you're going to pay him... You know, it's a little bit like I kept saying about Zeke. If you're gonna pay Zeke, you gotta use him in the passing game. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Got to up those numbers. And Zeke right now is uh, on the open market. They're still looking for a team to sign with after the Cowboys released him. Uh, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this next topic here. Jordan Love. What did you make of what the Packers did with Jordan Love's contract? They didn't pick up the fifth year option. Instead, they agreed on a one year extension. Now, this includes 13 and a half million guaranteed and can be worth up to 22 and a half million dollars. But what did you make of this kind of strategic move by Brian Gutekunst and that Green Bay Packers brass?
1: I mean, I thought it was a smart play. I mean, why why you know, you don't know what you're gonna do with the option. He hasn't shown you enough to say, clear cut, we're gonna pick up the option. He showed you enough, because he's light years ahead of where he was last year. He showed you enough to say, Okay, great. I, I think it was a really smart move by the Packers. I think they, they they took the they understood they didn't want to go with the fifth year, so they managed it. And I think it was a smart move for the player too, right? I think the player did a smart thing too because He now has some security. And basically what the team is telling him with this contract is, hey, look, we're going to be with you. You know, we're going to give you two years to prove you can be our starting quarterback. And for $12 million of fully guaranteed money, I don't think that's a lot to ask. And that keeps them out of having to pay their high freight for the... Look, this fifth year, these fifth year options are are really a problem. I mean, they're really a problem. I mean, nobody's... I mean... Nobody's picking up the 5th year, right? Nobody's coming in and saying, "Oh god, we got to have this 5th year." I mean, it's just not there. I mean, you know, when you look at the, the option exercises for the 2020 first round picks, it, it was a disaster. Only 12 of the 32 players got their option picked up. And all the media talks about, well, "We got to get the to get the 5th year." But the, it, it's 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 not true. You, you don't 20 teams didn't even want the 5th year. Yeah. And when in, you're in, in the, the back first. of the first round, everybody says, well, you want to trade back into the first round to get that fifth year. That's why everybody was trading up for for uh, head and hooker. No, nobody wanted the fifth year on head and hooker. They get with the third round. It's a fallacy. It's become a narrative that's not true. Right. You know, 10 of the first 17 picks in the in that draft had their options picked up. Only two of the last 15 did. So nobody's running for this fifth year. I think it was a really smart move by the Packers. I think it was the best thing they could have done. And now, whether he's a good player or not, they've got to manage it, but at least they have two years to window to do it as opposed to spending one year thinking, "Okay, do we pick up that year and then overpaying him for that one year?
0: Yeah, and the fifth year for Jordan Love, who was a 26 overall pick, would have been just over 20 million dollars fully guaranteed. So yeah, we're starting to see those teams kind of shying away from picking up those fifth year options. So remember well, that nobody for wants them anymore. Nobody,
1: w- yeah, <laughs> nobody wants them anymore. You know, only 18 players over the past three years, only one of 18 players selected from 27 to 32 had their options exercised. Meanwhile, all you're going to hear about in the media is you got to get back in the first round to get a fifth year.
0: Yeah, we talk ourselves into it every single year. and It's, a fa- it's, it's not team, true. Yeah,
1: it's it's not, not. People that know what – if you know what you're talking about, you know that teams don't want the fifth year.
0: Yeah, and that's why you see the number as low as it was. Real quick here before we take a break, uh, did you see your boy Robert Sala? He was talking about how the uh, – wishlist narrative about Aaron Rodgers bringing all his friends to the New York Jets is a quote, silly narrative this after they signed Randall Cobb uh, what, what did you make of that okay. Salah kind of all right, so, fight back all right, against y- this
1: thing? Let, let's play a game here you, you, you be, uh, you, be uh, you be Robert Salah and I'll be Al Davis Right? you come to okay. me and say you want to sign Randall Cobb, Al Davis yep. would say to you, oh, fuck who, who are we going to take off the field to put Randall Cobb on And you say, well, he's going to be a role player. No, fuck. Role player? we got to guarantee his salary for the whole year to be a fucking role player. So once he's on the team day one, his salary is fully guaranteed. We can't cut him. All right? He doesn't help in the kicking game. All right? He doesn't help in the kicking game. He's not better than any of the three receivers we have. He's not better than Corey Davis, who we're going to cut anyway. Right? So don't tell me this is a false narrative. You're signing him to make the quarterback happy. Like, just admit it. Yeah, you know, why not come out and say, yeah, No, there's no doubt, you know, Aaron wanted him because he feels very comfortable with him.
0: Mm. Well, yeah, if I'm Robert I'd say, hey, well, Mr. Davis, you know, when we flew out to California to recruit Aaron Rodgers, he said that we needed to bring him. So in order to get oh, Rodgers... Oh, fuck, I don't to want to hear that, with
1: that, that, and you would have heard click. <laughs> oh, fuck, I don't want to hear that click. It's my fucking team, not
0: yours. Well, it's not Woody Johnson's team anymore. It's Aaron Rodgers' team. He's Mr. New York now. If you've seen any of the Knicks games or the Rangers games, we're going to take a break. But on the other side, we're going to celebrate a very important anniversary here on the GM Shuffle.
1: You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and V-CIN. is Femi
0: Abebefei. You know, we had a very special anniversary this past weekend here. I'm sure all of our listeners know exactly what I'm talking about. I saw you tweeting about it, Michael Lombardi. The 22nd anniversary of the iconic Pine Barrens episode in The Sopranos, an episode that I have indeed watched. And I actually saw oh, people good. that were yes. Everyone was surprised that I knew the Pio Maya reference and everything. I'm like, hey, guys, I've been, I've been keeping up with things. Now, I will admit. Last three weeks, it's it's been rather slow because these damn NBA playoff games. But now that the playoff games are starting to, they starting to de- 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 decrease a little bit with how many we have. We're gonna get back onto the horse there and, uh, and and get some more episodes in here. But with this celebration of this 22nd anniversary of the Pine Barrens episode, we wanted to put an NFL spin on it and find out which quarterbacks and teams are in the prime Pine Barrens and are kind of lost out in the cold maybe eating the relish packets and, and the ketchup packets Michael so uh, yeah. you or, or, they stopped
1: or, or they should have stopped at Roy Rogers there's so many great yes. lines in this uh, there's so many great lines <laughs> in this should've you should've know what's your Roy fucking plan <laughs> <laughs> eating mustard packs you know and and the, Paulie thinking the guy was an interior direct decorator and Chrissy thinking the fucking his yeah. place looked like shit the and house Chrissy like <laughs> thinking shit. the third yeah Chrissy <laughs> thinking that the, this Cuban missile crisis was a made for TV event I mean like like the, the humor in this episode is so fucking good, and, and Gloria throwing the steak at him. and The best part of the whole episode, I think, is Tony, as smart as Tony is, when, when Melfi's describing Gloria to him, and she says, does she remind you of anybody you know? He says, no, uh, no. I mean, it's just to me, it's just like, how could you be as smart? And it it just shows you how they can't think outside their own little box. And I got to say, when I was driving through Utah, all I thought about being it was, I said to Millie, we should be Mr. and Mrs. John Smith and sell Indian relics by this highway here and and eat tomatoes with no taste because that's one of his lines in season one. So Mm -hmm. I love Pine Barrens. And look, a lot of these teams, they might need to, they should have stopped at Roy Rogers before they went down there. Yes.
0: Yeah, 100 percent should have stopped at Roy Rogers. The the Cuban Missile line I think is honestly my favorite line. Like I know obviously like the the interior decorator one is the one that gets a lot of the pub and stuff because it's a funny line, but him thinking the Cuban Missile Crisis was a made for TV deal. I was just like, what in the what world? What did this
1: fucking guy do at school? Like like I, I would like what was Chrissy paying attention to? Like did he even nothing. fucking open up a book?
0: Nothing. Yeah. Nothing yeah, yeah absolutely exactly. Nothing. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about it and we'll start with uh, the short order cook. My guy, Russell Wilson in Denver, the Broncos last year, obviously a disaster season, one and done for Nathaniel Hackett. They call up Sean Payton. He's now the head coach. Their win totals at eight and a half to make the playoffs plus 200 to miss the playoffs minus 240. So favorite outcome is that they're going to miss the playoffs. Russell Wilson right now, who should have gone to Roy Rogers. Can they come out of the Pine Bears Can they get out of the cold and get back on track?
1: I, I mean, look, you know, the one of the things that everybody talks about the Pine Barrens is, is the Russian alive, right? And so, you know, I mean, he gets shot in the head. Is he alive? I mean, David Chase talks about how some Boy Scouts found him years later. In fact, Paulie even suggests in one of his interviews that they filmed the scene of where somebody actually found him, but then they cut him. They cut that scene out. He was obviously dead. You know, there's no way he's getting out of that snowy uh, Pine Barrens. But <laughs> look, I, I think for... For Russell, he should have gone to Roy Rogers last year. I think this year, uh, I think they know who he is. I would be surprised if they didn't get him to play better. Now, I don't know if it's going to be better than 8.5, but I've got to believe, knowing Sean, knowing what I know about Sean, and knowing that he has a command to kind of curtail Russell and take control of it, I think he'll play better. He has to be managed. I mean, that's the key. And this will be the first time that Russell's not bigger than the program, right? Russell's been bigger than the program. It, it happened in Seattle, you know, and it became a problem in Seattle. They couldn't get it corralled. You know, he became bigger than the program. He, he always had the political capital to win any, any, anything. It's important. That's really important. He had the political capital because he was never wrong. Nobody questioned his play. It's like Joel Embiid. No one questions his conditioning. He's got tremendous political capital, even though it's obvious to everybody in the fourth quarter in overtime, he was done. He was spent. But nobody questions that, right? He's got political capital. When you have political capital as a player, you can get away with anything. I think because he's lost his political capital, he's done. I mean, I think he's got to now conform. And I think by conforming, he'll play better.
0: Yeah, you're speaking about that political capital. I saw it firsthand working in the Pacific Northwest, being from that area. Everybody for years wanted Pete Carroll fired because he was holding back Russell Wilson, quote-unquote. And within one season, when it all flipped up and changed, everyone has now turned on Russell Wilson, and now Pete Carroll has now obviously gained that when, political when was, capital.
1: When it was obvious, it was always there. It's the same thing with Embiid. You need better players around him. You need better players around him. It's never his fault. You know, now I think Embiid's a very talented player. Don't get me wrong. But if anybody wants to talk about conditioning and elite conditioning, I don't think you could cite that. You know, now, oh, he's hurt. He has a bad knee. Okay. I mean, just watch him. I mean, Al Horford, how many shots did Al Horford block on him? He couldn't get elevation. You know, so, like, look, Mm. I'm happy they won. That's great. But at the end of the day, if you're being honest with yourself, if you watch it, but when you have political capital, you can do anything you want to do.
0: What about Derek Carr and the Saints? Can we get this thing back on track? Well, I think the Saints are good on defense, and I think that
1: the Saints set up pretty well for Carr in the sense that he's got a good offensive line in front of him. I, I think, to me, he's got good skill around him, and so the play, really what's going to have to happen is if the play breaks down, can he make a play? Uh, I would think that he's not going to have to stop at Roy Rogers. I think he'll play a little bit better, but I will say this. you know, If he starts to get pressure and he starts to feel it, you know and and he doesn't make those extended plays, those ad lib plays, then I think it's going to be a challenge for him. We'll see I mean the pressure's on him. I mean, if he doesn't play well and if the saints don't win it, the people are going to look at him because how many more- because t- they're good on defense they're they're good enough on defense to win mm mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and they also have good weapons. That wide receiver room is pretty good. I'm really excited to see Chris Olave in year number two. Like he's gonna be a really good player there for the New Orleans Saints. And Michael Thomas, if he can get back, and maybe he may, needs to go ahead and stop at Roy Rogers. We haven't seen that dude in years. Well, he's uh, been at Roy Rogers. He hasn't stopped at
1: it. I mean, he's been fucking. He's been so far in the Pine Barrens we can't even find his ass.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Michael Thomas. Uh, we're still searching for, for can't guard Mike. It's can't find Mike the last three years. Uh, what about this next one? Deshaun Watson in the Cleveland Browns. Oh boy. The way Watson played at the end of last season, it hasn't been talked a lot. Of, it hasn't been talked about a lot. But man, like that was a really, really bad performance from Watson. Granted, he hadn't played in quite some time for a number of reasons. But man, he he really has to get things back on track.
1: I mean, I don't know if you could have played anywhere. I mean, literally, he played, he had six starts, and everything he did in those six starts were, were completely the antithesis of everything he did in his career up until that point. I mean, you know, from throwing interceptions, he had, you know, uh, seven interceptions in Houston his last year at Houston. He had five in six games there. You know, he threw at 70% completion in Houston. He threw for 58. I mean, there was nothing good about it. And that was when they are 4-12. and Right. They were four and twelve that year. So, I mean, to me, uh, I think he's he's going to have to play better. He's got to raise his level. And one thing I do know about players that have talent that get embarrassed. I think they they have more of a sense of, okay, I got to turn this thing around Uh, and I wouldn't just give up on Deshaun completely. I think he's got a chance to to not stop at Roy Rogers. I don't I think he can get out of the Pine
0: Barrens. Yeah, because if, if he can't get out of the Pine Barrens, that whole organization is going to be in the Pine they're Barrens. They're all fired. Man, what I mean, Stefanski's on,
1: a, on the hot seat. Yeah, Stefanski's <laughs> yeah. on the hot seat. I mean, look, I mean, the Haslam's take over the Bucks, and they, you know, and 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 that that the first time they don't make the coach buds out, you know, so look, it, it, there, <laughs> yeah. it's a rough sport.
0: No, yeah, no, it, it is it is definitely a rough sport, and we know that the amount of capital they gave up to get him, they're going to need to start winning and winning as soon as possible. Matthew Stafford, after going to the Super Bowl, this guy was on the pinnacle of the stage in the NFL. Pine Barrens last season. Can he get out of the woods? I, I
1: think he's done. I think to me, he's eating mustard and ketchup packs. I, I don't see him, and I don't think it's because he's, <laughs> he's, he's not, you know, I, I think his arm shot, I think his elbow, I think he's not healthy. I think once he starts to get hit, and I think that's going to be an issue. Who's he throwing the ball to? Like, their team is loaded with free agents, and, you know, I mean, they're loaded with they signed Brett Rippon to be the third-string quarterback. I mean, most of their offensive linemen are young guys. You know, I know they have, have Note Bloom and Haverstein at tackle, but they draft a the kid from TCU. Can they stay healthy? And here's the other question is, are they any good on defense? You know, are they any good? On, I know Aaron Donald's great, but their secondary is probably not going to be, and, you know, we'll see where they go. I, I, I think, to me, this is going to be hard. I was shocked by the Stetson-Bennett pick. I really was. If you would have said to me, describe Sean McVay's type of quarterback, I would have never would have never landed on Stetson-Bennett.
0: No, I wouldn't think I would have. But maybe there's a little bit of comparisons with him and John Wolford, the guy he had as the backup there for a little bit of time there, kind of mobile, smaller guy. I mean, maybe, but maybe, mean, maybe that's I what – I, I mean, Bennett had input. more le- Bennett had more letters
1: on him than any player, I think, in the draft. You know, whether it's injury, car- I mean, there's a lot of concerns about Bennett. Yeah. I mean, this that's, isn't that's like not- you're getting, this isn't like you're getting, oh, my God, this is the hardest worker, or this is guys all football. I mean, like, there's some issues
0: you're going to have to dig through. Taking a look at the Rams' defensive roster, it, 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 anytime soon like outside of aaron donald i'm not sure how many of these guys i've actually even heard of like there's a of kobe you turner heard of bobby brown the third byron young ernest jones christian roseboom well you've heard of like, ernest jones i, I mean Rochelle. he's played for him
1: i mean that front nobody in oh, yeah, the front yeah, but hear. donald i mean you know i mean look at it they got college free agents are going to start for him and this is not a good team so I mean Stafford's going to have to play yeah, from behind, rough. and if Stafford plays from behind, it's going to be a lot of dropback. And and Sean doesn't have a big, extensive dropback pass game. He wants to run play action. And then now all of a sudden you're into a, okay, I'm going to get hit way too much. And if they lose Haverstein or if they lose Notebloom like they did last year, who's the ba- if they lose any lineman, who the backups?
0: They're Finn, but I guess once again they went all in. These are the repercussions of going all, all, all in in f them picks but i guess they at least won the super bowl so they got that going for them. win total at seven and a half that is a that's not very good that's the lowest i believe of sean McVay's career who's had a really good career as a head coach uh real quick before we wrap this thing on up uh the podcast the next episode will actually be on friday so we're going to record on friday because thursday exciting day in the nfl regular yeah. season schedules expected to be released so we're gonna have a lot uh, of fun expected. recapping that so-
1: Hopefully it does come out. So Friday we'll be able to review yes. it and we can sit there and, and work on some over-under totals.
0: There we go. I'm excited. Do you have any prediction for the opening night game? Can City's going to host it?
1: I think it's KC Cincy or KC. You know, I think Philly yeah. plays them. I, I could see it being a rematch of that. It'd be aw- I think Philly deserves to have it, you know? Hmm.
0: Yeah, I could see Philly, but yeah, I think, I think since Casey, they want to start that Burrow Mahomes rivalry with everything that was happening in the playoffs last season, but we're really looking forward to that. And we'll be looking forward to you guys all listening and viewing next week's week's or this upcoming week's episode of the GM Shuffle here coming up on Friday. Once again, not Thursday, it will be Friday when we record that podcast. Well, that does it for us on this edition. Thank you to producer, Elliot Bowman. Thank you to DraftKings and Visa. Thank you to all of you guys subscribing, rating, and reviewing. We see you guys. We hear you guys. We love the engagement all throughout the offseason. And we ain't going anywhere. We're sticking with you guys. So we will talk to you guys on Friday. Michael, I'll see you then.
1: I'll see you. Austin be uh, Philly will be eliminated by the time we talk. I think, huh?
0: <laughs> Probably. <laughs>